Welcome to Witch Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures this week that you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, we bring our best Vulcan minds to the table for some logic games in Turing Machine. Next up, we set sail to collect rare specimens one worker at a time in Darwin's Journey. And lastly, we're sussing out common phrases one clue word at a time in Get the Message. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello, everyone. Ed Povolitis. Hi, guys. The game. And Mike Grenier. Get ready to fumble! <laughs> <laughs> Story of my gaming career. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our first game up this week is Turing Machine, designed by Fabian Grudel and Joanne Levitt, published by La Scorpion Mosque in 2022. Number of players, one to four, ages 14 and up, playtime 20 minutes. Mikey, what's in the box? The cover of the box is an awesome multi-layered punch card overlay, which cleverly displays the game title in a very thematic fashion. Inside we find one central tile, a punch card holder, 45 punch cards, uh, 48 criteria cards, 95 verification cards, 50 note sheets, 4 screens, and a marker. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you if this game qualifies for sentience, (laughs) (laughs) Evan, use your big brain and tell us some rules. Turing Machine, it's a logic deduction game, providing a unique experience of questioning a proto-computer that works without electricity or any sort of technology, namely good old punch card technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like our great-great-great-great-grandfathers had. (laughs) The goal is to find the secret three-digit code before the other players do. And you have to do so by cleverly questioning the machine. You start by making a guess as to what the code is. Let's say my guess is 314. I will then use one of the punch cards to ask a question of the computer to try and learn if any of the digits in my guess is correct. If, for example, one of the questions I might be allowed to ask is, is the second digit of my code correct? Is it as equal to one or is it greater than one? The punch card will tell me if my guess concerning the second digit of my guess is correct or incorrect. Gather as much valuable information as possible in the shortest amount of rounds and make your guess. If you're right, you win. If you're wrong, you're out of the game and the other players continue their quest to crack the code. As my computer professor always said, if you want to break bigger codes, use a bigger hammer. That only works some of the time. (laughs) Well, we got to play this game in person, flipping the cards, moving the codes around and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That that was fun. How did the look and feel of this game uh, work for you guys? Oh, they were punch cards. I mean, mm -hmm. mean, no doubt about what this was. A punch card. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, all I could think about was an escape room puzzle when I was playing this, actually, with all the little punched out holes and like the overlays. It felt really cool matching it all up. Yeah, it was very cool. It was very, very cool. Putting those three cards, stacking them one on top of the other, and then looking to see if you got a check mark or not was very cool. I, I was doing it and seeing the result and still not quite sure how I got there. 
So <laughs> it was fascinating to see, you know, just it, it took a, me a little while to get the hang of the game. How about you guys? Oh, man. I was yeah. exhausted. So I had such a problem with this. I want to play it again. It's because I was so tired. Yeah, I've, I've gone through a couple of groups with this now. And, and the tricky thing is that I think it throws everyone off is that when you look at the, the challenge no card or the verifier, as they call it, yes. it gives you all the possibility and it, you know, it kind of throws people off. Well, these are clearly can't be both be right. And mm-hmm. we're like, yeah, you're supposed to figure out which one of those is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and some verifiers are, you know, binary, it's, you know, one or the other. Some have three components to them, and others have four. So you can, mm-hmm. depending oh, yeah. on the complexity of the level of puzzle you're trying to solve, yeah. uh, it can get pretty involved. Yeah, right. it has like a simple verifier, like, is this, this is, this card, the answer is either greater than three, less than three, or equal to three. You're like, okay, that's one numeral. I should <laughs> be able to handle figuring out which one it is, right, and using <laughs> yeah. my clues that way. Um so then, you know, you would want to start with a simple one like that, but then you move to some very complex stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the color matching was harder than just straight numbers. And mm-hmm. Do you think that was unnecessary? Of numbers. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if it was necessary because there was a shape associated with the color, which mm-hmm. represented the same thing. But I imagine is that because of people who have... Uh, difficulty distinguishing colors perhaps and that's why they're also distinct shapes like the blue was the triangle and mm-hmm. uh, yellow was the square for the second mm-hmm. digit yeah I think circle that makes was sense. purple i think it was a yeah a colorblind friendly uh, yeah system. but mm-hmm. it actually felt like two different markers so that was a little bit confusing right a little the bit, color yeah. and shape yeah i must admit i had to wrap my mind around that a little bit at first it seemed like huh i don't understand why and yeah. then okay once it clicked though for me, I, I, I got it. Mm-hmm. So. And then there were some verifiers that were series of numbers, and I found those to be very tricky. Honestly, yeah. the shapes were the hardest for me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's not too – the early puzzles are not too hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's they're pretty simple, and you can uh, suss them out fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, if you get lucky – like, Ed, isn't there a luck factor – actually codified in this game well yeah well each of the puzzles to solve you have a, a luck factor and a difficulty factor and i noticed that a lot of the early ones were higher rated on luck and some of the no, harder ones are a little less luck and more you know you gotta actually puzzle it out mm. and i think a lot of that comes with you no know, that they're so easy and so short if you happen to pick the right combination your first guess and you get a check mark and a couple of the verifiers like oh ha ha and you can like quickly you know eliminate the possibilities and and get to the correct answer and wordle for those who play wordle online i i don't but i'm familiar with the game i it, it felt similar to that mm-hmm. having that same feature it's funny i never played wordle but i got the concept right so uh you know it was kind of cool that that you could see, okay, these are early games. There is a lot of luck involved. And it made me feel better because Mm -hmm. Evan got super lucky and like (laughs) Mm -hmm. immediately picked two correct numbers. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, Evan, what else can you call it when you randomly pick two numbers? Cheating. You can call it cheating. Test your theory and find out instantly that that's correct. Yes, cheating, they call that. (laughs) (laughs) No, they just call it luck. 
But I mean, it was only, it was the two. You still had to figure out that third number, mm-hmm. but you were ahead, you know, in, in luck there. Yeah. I got yeah. lucky too. I mean, I, I got lucky in, in my very first guess was correct, but it was only one of the numbers. Mm-hmm. Well, still, I mean, in a three-digit code, you're, you're 33% solved. Yeah. Yeah. You can concentrate on the other ones. You can no, ignore that's pretty strong to get one. Yeah. But, and, yeah, and, it's and like, the digits only go through one through five, not zero through nine. So, yeah, that'd be right. really hard to solve it. <laughs> zero oh, through wow. nine. Oh wow, yeah, that would that would. My God, that would ex- be a big game. Exponentially increase the number yeah. of, of possible I, answers. I mean, there's totally no more. silver bullet in here, you know. Like, you, even if you get one right, but like when you first see a clue that you think is good, it it, it has to relate to all the other clues that you're looking at too, because yeah. you really can't solve it without that. Now, I'm really curious how they designed it because I see on the back of the box seven plus million problems to solve to go to the website to get another one if you run out of problems that were in the Isn't that the fascinating? Box wow. It's fascinating. Someone sat there and wrote, hand wrote seven million. <laughs> wow. Yeah, exactly. Seems unlikely. <laughs> yeah. It seems unlikely. I mean, yeah, and also the, the pun cards are so fascinating. Like, you you put them together and only one little box shows up, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's neat. oh yeah, there was definitely an algorithmic part of the design to this game. I'm sure. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I don't even know if you'd call it genius because it is. It's probably a a long standing algorithm that some mathematician knew about, but mm-hmm. to put it together in this way is very clever and. I, it definitely got to play this game more than once because the first time you're just trying to figure out the logistics of how to to learn under- how to play the game. Yeah, itself. how to play the game, right? right. Yeah, correct. Yeah. correct. Yeah. Ooh, oh, I'm yeah. scared of the tougher games. I think my brain would melt. <laughs> mm, uh, I'm curious like to see how much tougher it is, though. Yeah, with practice, you know, you get better. Yeah, with practice. Whatever. I mean, I, I, the way I look at it is doing any type of puzzle game. Like, you can do some easy kuduku puzzles and you can do some really hard ones depending on how proficient you are skill-wise with that that type of puzzle but i mean in sudoku the puzzles get bigger you know what i mean they don't just in this game you're always trying to figure out a three-digit number right so i mean yes Mm -hmm. the clues won't help you as much or you know give as much away maybe but other than that it's not a bigger game yeah well what we tested was one of the i think the easier puzzles yeah one of the easier ones but there's a huge deck of verifiers in the game. Yeah. Where it's like, mm-hmm. and, and there's a whole big deck of punch cards. And not only is there um, no, a big deck, you, you can also use them in different ways because they have different numbers based on the color of the verifier in a way. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hmm, is it, that's how I think they come to that, you know, seven million different problems because you, you can, there's so many permutations where, all the different you know, yeah. verifiers and all the different punk and all, all, all yeah. question cards you can use. Uh-huh. Yep, exactly. One through five and then three colors of one and three colors of mm-hmm. two and three colors of three. So, right. yeah, I mean, I mean, they're, not they're just talking about that, the actual, like, you no, know, the, the, you know, the verifier you know, question and then the verifier card that you have to put it, pull it up again. There's, there's like a hundred of those, too. Right, mm-hmm. hey, right. And some of them are are again binary choices and others have four or maybe more options yeah. that you have to yeah. figure I out. I said I guess right. It said forty eight criteria cards and ninety five verification cards. I see it in Mikey's little what's in the box. 
<laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I think I think there's only 125 different potential numbers that it could be, though, right? I mean, like, as far as the answer, the, the three-digit code answer, there's only five times mm-hmm. five times five, right? Yeah, but with uh, seven million yeah. puzzles right. and it's 125 because of the verifier combinations per. makes it different, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So right. that means the same, it'll be the same number answer multiple times throughout. I wonder if they balanced oh, yeah. the number yeah. of different answers that are the same number throughout mm-hmm, the 7 mm-hmm, million mm-hmm. possibilities. That's a good question. I think for a quarter we can write them at P.O. Box. Let's <laughs> oh, no, that's an old game. Self-addressed stamped that. envelope, too. Yes. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Turing Machine. Ed? I do love my logic puzzles, and this <laughs> is right up my alley. I mean, it's not a particularly social game unless you're playing in co-op mode. But I'll dig this up to play with the punch cards once again. (laughs) Evan? Turing Machine. It was a clever deduction game with a rare mechanic, punch cards. Love it. Supposedly, there are over 7 million possible codes to break. We'll have to play a few more times to figure out if that's right. But, hey, this game's got legs, and it's elegant in its simplicity. Nice puzzle game. Dig it up. Mike? I was extremely tired when I played this game, so I found myself completely stumped. But I can tell this is the kind of game that I'll love and be good at and really want to play it again sometime soon. So for that reason, I'll dig it up. I found the pacing of this game to be uh, one of the best features of it. You know, I, I thought, oh boy, a logic game, this could take a while. But nope, it was it actually moved at a nice breezy pace. Uh, I love that the turns didn't require a whole lot of waiting. You could kind of do things while other people were doing them. Loved all that. So, uh, love the pacing and the speed of this game, and the logic puzzles were fascinating. Dig it up. Which logic game makes it through your XOR gate? Let us know. We are at which game first on social media. Oop. <laughs> A bonus slam. <laughs> A slam. <laughs> I like it. Eh? <laughs> hey, everybody. What is going on with which game First. Well, Monday night, which game first? A board game podcast hosts a live board game session, which we would love for you to join us. Watch on all of our social media channels, namely Twitch and Facebook and YouTube. It's interactive. We love bantering back and forth with you. We play puzzle games with you while we're trying to figure out the latest, greatest board game online. That is Monday evenings, 8 o'clock Eastern time in the United States. For those of you tuning in from around the world, and we hope to see you there. And I just want to throw out a little word to my game designer friends out there. Even if I haven't met you, you're still a friend because game design is very difficult. Um, But we've reviewed so many games on our show. You should come look at our archives and see if we've reviewed your game. Post it up on social media and let people know the review is there. It it helps you. It helps us. It feels really good to to let you guys know that we're watching you. So get on that social media. Come to our website and check it out. Hey, guys. uh, Mike, what's the easiest way for them to find out if we've reviewed their game? Well, we have an awesome search uh, little bar at the top of our website at whichgamefirst.com. It's a .com, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, you go there and you uh, type in the name of your game and it should pop right up in our archives. So check that out. 
And we want to give a big shout out to everybody who's listening. Thank you so, so much. We're closing in on our 200th episode. Oh my God. This is it, guys. This is it. Whoa. (laughs) We made it. This is it. 200 (laughs) episodes. So plenty to listen to. Please pass it along to a friend. Lots of games that we've reviewed. Lots of laughs. Lots of breezy, fast reviews for you while you're commuting. You can listen to the first 10 minutes and get one of them done. Nice, easy segments. Please pass it along. And if you get a chance, leave a rating somewhere uh, that will help others find the podcast. We deeply appreciate it. And thank you so much to our patrons as well. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you, everybody. everybody. Thank you. Our next game up this week is Darwin's Journey, designed by Simone Luciani and Nestor Mangione. I wouldn't, I'm going to say Mangione, maybe? Mangione. Uh, published by Thundergriff Games in 2023. Number of players, one to four, ages 14 and up. Playtime, 60 to 120 minutes. Mike, <laughs> what's in this big old box? All right. The cover of the box shows our hero, Charlie D, or as the history knows him, Charles Darwin, striding Mm -hmm. ashore of a remote island. We can probably guess which island that is or island chain. Uh, And Long Island. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's wearing an impish grin on his face and is buried in a book. But he's also like smirking and happy coming on the shore. So inside, there's a lot of stuff. So I'm going to try to go through it quickly here. Okay. Um, there's a double-sided board, four player boards, 12 special action tiles, eight correspondence tiles, 12 beagle goal tiles. The beagle is a ship. Um, 16 specimen tokens, 16 museum tiles, 28 player objective tiles, eight starting objectives, 20 objective tiles for that. 48 stamps, 24 personal lenses, which uh, we'll explain later. Two neutral lenses, 16 temporary tokens, 68 wax seals, 58 regular wax seals, 12 special wax seals and 40 coins. 32 cards, and there's a bunch of meeples for workers, explorers, tents, player ships, cubes for the uh, player colors to mark the score, and an HMS Beagle ship. Um, Also on top of that, there are 30 research tokens and a player aid sheet. Whew, and that's what's in the box. Before we tell you how well this game evolved, Evan, open your little explorer notebook and give us a quick overview of how it's played. Darwin's Journey is a worker placement Euro game in which players recall Charles Darwin's memories of his adventure through the Galapagos Islands, which contributed to the development of his theory of evolution, of course. Each worker has a starting proficiency, and in order for them to become more effective as the game progresses, the workers will have to study the disciplines that are a prerequisite to perform several actions in the game. These actions include exploration by land, exploration by sea, correspondence, and the gathering and dispatching of animal species found in the island to museums. There are also separate objective tiles to be collected and achieved, along with tents to put up on the islands to establish even more bonuses. The game lasts five rounds. Several short and long-term objectives. With every action that you take, there will grant you victory points in various ways. The most victory points is the winner and earns the title of Evolution, Revolution, Solution, Volution. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had the pleasure of playing this game in person. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and got to touch all the little bits and pieces of everything this game. Mike just took those three minutes in explaining. Yeah, all that stuff. Those the wax yeah. seals, it's interesting that they call them wax seals. They're they're made of rubber, yeah, clearly designed to be wax seals, but they're made of rubber. So don't worry, they won't fall apart on you <laughs> like rubber. They won't melt. Yeah, well, yeah. those are the deluxe version. And normally, they'd be a little cut, cut. Cardboard shit. Oh, yes. Cardboard shits. Yeah. Well, they were very nice. They were really cool to touch. They really looked like wax seals. Very fancy. And we had metal mm. coins, too. Another upgrade. Oh, metal yeah. coins. Yeah. Count on Ed to have all the upgrades. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> they were so cool. <laughs> How could I not? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a straight, uh, primarily worker placement game. Mm-hmm. So, um, how do you think? I mean, obviously, we just talked about some of the pieces, but there's a lot to see here. Ooh. What did you guys think of how it looked? I mean, the first thing that hit me was the how the board, you know, while it had so many different areas, the way it looked, it, there were so many hand drawn journals and notebook and a hand drawn map. It's just like, it's really cool to look at with the art mm-hmm. style they had. Yeah, I definitely love the art, but also I felt it kind of sacrificed a little bit of clarity here and there for the purposes of looking nice, which you know I can kind of forgive it in this game. It wasn't an egregious violation, but it definitely did have a little bit of that. Yeah, I would say it looked gorgeous, very storybook-like. You know, it felt like a um, a really exciting, you know, historical journey, mm-hmm. but. Let me tell you, it was hard to map out where you were going on that island. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait, oh, which yeah. way am I going? Where are the little tiny arrows going? Which direction? Um, well, imagine so, yeah. how hard it was for those explorers back then. <laughs> oh, very good. And they wanted us to feel that's like right. the, the realism of this game was felt. Okay. All right, on theme. Okay, okay, I get you. Um, <laughs> and on the cover of the box, Darwin's like 100 years old, but wasn't he like 20-something when he yes, went? Yes, he has to <laughs> yeah. like, When he went exploring? Yes, that's right. So like that's the good Galapagos? Memory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. So <laughs> He was born in 1812, I believe. So yeah, the Galapagos oh, yeah. trip was in the early 30s. So yeah, you're right. It would have been in his 20s. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure there, but I guess those are the only real recognizable pictures we have of him or when he's older he's more recognizable in his older bearded sort of uh you know (laughs) pictures we're used to seeing him yeah okay exploring these islands yes explore the islands you have to use workers to and do a bunch of other stuff while you're exploring you got to be home trying to get things going and trying to get supplies moving and trying to get letters out to people and Mm -hmm. there's so much else going on did it feel to you like a sort of a well-rounded explorer's story Hmm. Well, it depends who you're asking, right? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) for me... I think like any good worker placement game, there's a variety of options to choose from, and you can't do it all. So so one of the actions is primarily exploring the island. You know, three different islands to explore. Hmm. And one of them is moving the boat along because the boat has a path in order to get to those other islands. And there's a little thing you can explore in the water itself. And one, you know, writing those correspondence letters, which is kind of a neat little thing where you get at the end, you know, you're kind of competing for end of round bonuses with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then there's just going to the academy to learn skills. And the skills, I think, was the most interesting thing to me because your workers 
can't go everywhere unless they have the right skill to do that action. Mm -hmm. I, honestly, I really liked how they showed you how difficult it would be to shake up the scientific community. You know what I mean? You need all kinds of help. You need all kinds of skills. It's not like just some guy named Darwin showed up one day with this cool idea and everybody <laughs> said, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Let's change the way we think about everything. You know, he had writing letters of correspondence, hiring people or himself learning the skills to be on a ship, exploring these islands. I mean, bringing back the samples, trying to get his work published or put into museums. It's like so much work to change the way people think. And I think this game did a good job representing that. Now, were we supposed to be explorers competing with Darwin or what was the idea there? Hmm. Well, the game is a competitive game, but I think we're all shooting to have our own recognition in a way. I think the, the, the victory points are kind of like theory of evolution points. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. So is it is sort of the idea that we're all different explorers or that we were all Darwin and who made the best Darwin? It seems to me all like kind of on Darwin team in a yeah. way trying to support the research. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's why it seemed to me is that we were all trying to like gain favor, but kind of riding in the coattails of Darwin's like yeah. original disciples thoughts. of Darwin. Right? Yeah. All right. So, do you guys think there was a specific path that you had to follow to be successful? Did you have to do certain things? Everything, a little bit of everything, focus on one thing. Mm. Um, I haven't played enough to be sure, but there mm -hmm. was clearly um, an obvious thing to do was to pick up those specimens that you can find on the island and bring them to the museum because that clearly gave you both money and uh, multiplier points. Yeah. Yeah, that's where the biggest points from the game came in. You had to do that, but ignoring any one thing would probably be really tough. Although there are ways to get around it. Like sometimes when you complete one part of your journey, like setting up a tent or finding a place on an island, it triggers the use of the other skills that you might not have picked up that turn. So if you plan it very carefully, you might be able to kind of get by on minimal skills in certain sections of the game. You know, one of the features of worker placement games is unlocking that extra worker somewhere inevitably in the game there's an extra worker or workers that you want to unlock mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. took me a while took you a while i think celeste as well no i was How, the first to unlock you were the first to do it i it took me a while to even figure out where in the game you go to unlock that worker. right it was like almost right. a little mystery a, a puzzle mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i will say though that the extra worker in this game while it is very handy it wasn't as skilled and could not get as skilled as your other workers. So it was still limited in its use. It wasn't just a full-powered extra worker. So it didn't mul force multiply your power. A mini worker. Yeah, it's a little mini yeah, worker. Yeah, a was, limited. And it's just that. Yeah, It was nice. Yeah, boy, it was nice to have that extra last go where everyone else yeah. is already gone and you need that one last thing that's where that one worker might go yeah, yeah. i think i probably I, th I think i had two rounds where i got to go first and last mm -hmm. yeah that's because nice. of that extra worker mm -hmm. yeah, yeah two I rounds think nowadays we call them interns <laughs> right, your intern. yeah you don't pay them but they're they're kind of a jack of all trades but not really mastered in any um evan you had a little bit of difficulty with the iconography symbols uh yeah a little bit there were some sections of the board i'm reading through in which okay this particular icon is saying take this then 
add these two things, subtract this one thing, multiply it by this, and that's your result. So it was like a, some of them <laughs> had a lot of information in just these little symbols. <laughs> and it, yeah. That's not, that you know, just not intuitive when you get, get to that level of sort of yeah. uh, iconography. Yeah. So mm. that happened I a mean, little bit. This game was busy, busy, busy. So busy that, you know, I played it. We played it for hours. Uh, but I still don't think I really could, you know, knew everything that was on the board. I don't mm-hmm. think I knew everything that was on the board. There were definitely places and spaces uh, that were there that I probably never even looked at or just passed over, not quite understanding. So, gosh, it's kind of a steep learning curve here, but it's more mm-hmm. a steep observation curve. Whew, like yeah. there is so much going on at once. You don't have to do it all, but geez, it would really help to know everything because then you'd know all your options so you don't miss mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely think that there were options here that I could have definitely optimized for that didn't. Oh, yeah. There definitely could be a little bit of option overload, especially the very first time we're going through this, because there there are so many options that are out there. And I think one thing I noticed that I thought was kind of cool, that everybody did something that not necessarily everybody did. Like, Mikey went really strong on worker skills, while Evan almost didn't get any and then like you built lots of tents and I didn't put a single tent up and mm-hmm. and we were all were able to get a lot of points uh, despite all the differences right mm-hmm. yeah I definitely found that getting the workers to be more skilled could work really well because they get a lot of free additional things they can do during an action and they have a lot more options of doing better actions so being able to build them up early would be strong but the problem I had was that the wax seals or the training that you can get for them yeah. are drawn randomly onto mm-hmm. the board. So I had a lot of trouble. Like I only needed a couple seals early in the game to really take off, but they just didn't show up for about two rounds. Yeah, it was unusual. It was kind of an unusual placement of those seals, Mike. You're right. Mm-hmm. They, they were a bit uneven. It was random, but mm-hmm. you know it was just bad luck of the draw there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing I noticed was. Money was really tight in the game. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got five bucks. Ooh. Wow, I need two bucks just to share a space with somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's expensive when you start, mm-hmm. start occupying areas or your areas which are called books yep. um, like, that other do players. Why you that, Mikey? Now i got to pay two bucks to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and especially well, tough, you know, when you have like a, uh, some of the, the bonus cards that you can get. Does uh, require a threshold that you have to have, so you have to have eleven dollars mm-hmm. on hand before you can activate this thing. Yes, and mm-hmm. it's just wow, you gotta. But sometimes you're like, oh, I can get it, and then you're like, no, now that because Ed went there, I have to spend two of my eleven dollars to go there, so it doesn't work anymore. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I, yes, there were some places that, yeah, I was always, a, I was a dollar short. Yeah. Oh, like a dollar short more than once i was a dollar short literally a dollar mm-hmm. but uh you know i i also felt like some people were flush in things and and other people were flush in other things right. so mm-hmm. uh you might have a bo- it was whatever you had the mo- majority of that's what you had to work mm-hmm. to make your fortune to make mm-hmm. your victory points yes so that means there's several paths to victory. There's no mm-hmm. one ultimate solution. I mean, the multiplier board, and as Ed said, collecting the species and getting those first onto that board, yeah, that that helps all that helps a lot. You can't mm-hmm. ignore it. But 
as far as the other the other five or six areas of the board that you can concentrate on, yeah, you can get away with ignoring a few and, and really focusing on some and still do pretty well. Right. I mean, there is also a little bit of a problem with luck of the draw there, too, because the species that you can collect and put into there are put onto the different tracks in different positions randomly. On the so islands, if yeah. you start with cards that can optimize towards getting those, you have kind of a distinct advantage by, by being able to put one in there first. Mm-hmm. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Darwin's journey. Mike? Oh boy, there were lots of things to consider and none of them seem to be able to be ignored fully. Um, I would love to play this again because I think there's multiple strategies that a person can try on this and it's also a beautiful game. So I'd say dig it up. Evan? Darwin's Journey is one of the more involved worker placements I've played in a while and I loved the theme. I loved how it looked. It always kept me thinking. There were so many choices and strategies, not to mention the jingle of the metal coins. Definitely worth the couple of hours it takes to complete a a uh, game in its entirety. So going back for more. Dig it up. Ed? A science theme worker placement game? You have before you even opened a box. Yeah, right. But with the charming art, the tactile deluxe components, and the deep worker placement gameplay? I'm going to dig this up for the man exhibit at the museum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nail on the head with deep. This game is not for beginners. Uh, this game is very thick, very rich, extremely heavy on theme informing play. Extremely heavy. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, quite complex. So if you love evolution <laughs> and you love... A long and you have a nice long afternoon. Uh, this game is a very enjoyable, lovely play. So I too will dig it. Up. Yeah. Hey everybody, which exploration game have you examined? Let us know at which game first. Our last game up this week is Get the Message, designed by you know. Nobody in particular. What? <laughs> Wait. Published by Milton Bradley, 1964. Oh, that's why. Number of players, three to six, ages 10 and up. Playtime, eh, who cares? It's Friday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Mikey, tell us what's in the box. Okay. The cover of the box shows what seems to be an old school waiter in pink, a Boy Scout-esque bike messenger type guy and an eager bellhop meeting in a neutral blue and white striped backdrop to gleefully exchange slips of paper. Inside we find four stylus sticks. I, these numbers are going to be fuzzy because they weren't listed there. Um, we get, it looks like two peel away message pads. We'll explain that later. Two spinner like scorekeeping boxes, <laughs> a pile of coated discs, a red elimination decoder sleeve, and a stack of paper money. You gotta love that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's in the box. Oh my gosh. Before we talk about these components and uh, before we tell you if we got the message, Evan, clue us in on the rules. All right. Straight from the designer. Oh, wait. There is no designer. But this is how it reads. Based on the 1964 game show, players compete oh, to yeah. discover a game hidden show. message using secretly written one-word clues supplied by team members. The team who scores the most point wins. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that, <laughs> wow. Those are the instructions. That, there you I go. Mean, Bingo. It's pretty straightforward. pretty much it. 
Well, yes, this is a Goodson Todman television production. Oh, Goodson Todman, wow. Do you guys uh, remember Goodson Todman production? Not, not, not if I had to bet my life on it. No. Uh, <laughs> a Goodson a Todman uh, game. Yeah, but it says Goodson here, a, Todman a, production. Another yep. <laughs> great TV home game, so we're going to have to find some more of these. I suppose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I oh, mean, man. there are so, so many. Did Goodson Todman did Family Feud. They invented Family oh, Feud. Well, and go. The Price is Right. I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, about four dozen other game shows. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I used card to watch sharks. a lot of game shows when I was younger. Card Sharks was so great. Oh, Card yeah, Sharks. I used to Holy yell at the moly. screen all the time. I'm like, just play the odds. <laughs> 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 You're like a four. Lower. I'm like, no. Oh, it's a no. four. And a what are you deck. doing? Why would you just pick a middle number? Oh, man. Terrible. Yeah. Oh, okay. God. Moving on to get the message. Yes. Holy yes. cow, the components in this game. <gasps> they were awesome. They were, they were, forget about Darwin's journey and those components. Yeah. Right? <laughs> this, this thing had this, this thing had a spinner designed scorekeeper. Yes. From yeah. one to three. So it wasn't a spinner, but no. it was it was designed just like a spinner. Think mm-hmm. of a fuel gauge that you manually move the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. the needle effectively. But it's just to, to keep track of zero through three. I know, it's so, so pointless. Zero through three. You could flip a coin, and then when you get to the second side of the coin, the next time you score, it's over. No, you but clearly they had the components lying around from 18 other games that <laughs> yes, use these exactly. same components. They said, let's just oh, yeah. use this because it the costs The money us is nothing. straight up Monopoly money. Oh, gosh. That's straight flimsy. up. Yeah, it doesn't uh, have the dude, but it's basically the same paper money as Monopoly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we didn't even really play it with the money component to it, right? We didn't even... It, well, you don't need money, you, right? Well, there's no, prize money that you get. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Well, the money's pointless. Ways doesn't to really play the game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, oh. that's right. Different ways to play. You could play with the money. You could play with the scorekeeping. But the biggest, most important, awesomest, bestest <laughs> thing in this whole game... Mikey, Mikey talked about a stylus. We'll get to that in a second. Uh-huh. But oh my god, there are two great things about yes, this I game. Know. Yeah, there's there's two. There's All right, two. I'll describe one. Somebody else can describe the other. Okay. I'll describe the other. Yeah. The the first is the coded message decoder booklet. Oh. <laughs> so it comes with maybe a stack of a hundred circular discs, uh mm-hmm. cardboard discs that are have maybe each disc has like fifty decodable phrases or words on it mm-hmm, that you have to mm-hmm. use for guessing you stick yeah. it inside the decoder booklet and slide <laughs> it slide the phrase to the little red screen yeah. and it tells you through the red screen you can see it oh my gosh um, the red screen how many games from our youth did we play with yeah. red screen decoding so mechanisms it, it is oh. uh, uh, and these things were actually square cards that were perforated so you can get them semi-round? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, so that it was easy to spin them. You you yep. spin, you spin spun them inside the booklet by mm-hmm. them sticking out a little bit at the yep. bottom, and you'd move them along with your thumb. Yes, an actual design. This oh, all, it's so good. It could have all easily been done with a deck of cards, but why no. when you get this cool component to do it with instead? So much cooler <laughs> oh, than cards. Way cooler. Mm-hmm. Saves a little paper, too, actually, because each round card had several clues on it. So it was kind of interesting that they went Oh, yeah. It had, like, a lot of clues. Maybe 50 per card. And and each card was double-sided. Yeah. Yeah, double-sided. Yeah. 
All right, what about the other cool component? Oh, man. So you guys remember, if you're old enough, you remember this thing. It's kind of like, um, there's like a, a cellophane-looking kind of piece of plastic over a dark, sticky-ish backdrop kind of thing. Yeah, and you take a wax. stylus black and you write on it. Yeah, it's wax, right? Black like wax, yep. Yeah, black wax. And you write on the, on the, you know, the top part, and it, you know, reveals a word. And then when you peel it away... The word goes away and you put it back down again. They yeah. had this thing in, um, uh, what was that? So zombie they used show? to call them magic slates. Magic slates. Oh, okay. that's magic slates. Yeah. I mean, after a while of being used though, like the cellophane starts to have retained some of the indentations. Sure. And the wax gets a little less sticky. So you got to be very careful when you like turn the card over or move it around because it could slip and then you, your answer gets. Hey, but ours still worked. Ours worked though. They were yeah, pretty they reliable. Great. Not bad. For yeah, I was surprised at how well it worked when you're using the stylus. Six mm-hmm. stylus were like yeah. exactly made for the Yes. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was trash without the stylus. Uh-huh. And they were so cool. I wonder oh, if they so still fun. sell magic slates. They might. Probably oh, they might. in some capacity. I, I kind of want one now. Well, I saw, <laughs> I was watching a zombie show recently with, um, oh God, what's his name? The guy from like, the guy from um, um, the Mandalorian and whatever. Um, God, anybody know what I'm talking about here? Anyway, <laughs> it was a zombie apocalypse, right? And they yeah. didn't have a bunch of paper to just throw away. So the girl carried one of these around with her to like write quiet messages so the zombies wouldn't hear her. And then she'd peel them away and write new messages. So oh. it's actually still pretty useful. Yeah, totally. It, it totally would be useful. If the apocalypse happens, you know. Yeah, right. The apocalypse. <laughs> well, we're always, you always got to have that in the back of your mind. Come on, guys. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Top 10 board games I want during the apocalypse. That's, okay. that's a bonus point. <laughs> so let's talk about the actual gameplay. We we give a clue, and uh-huh. you have to... This is what was fascinating about this. It's unlike other games in that you take turns giving clues. Mm-hmm. So there is a distinct second player advantage here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, kind of, kind of. Yeah. I, it depends would... on how good your clue giver is. Exactly. So if, if you're playing teams... Mm-hmm. One team goes first, and they guess based on a word. If they don't get it, the next team gets to do a second word to try to guess it. So mm-hmm. the second team gets two words. Yep. If the first well, team if messes you, if up. If you pick different words. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the true. thing. You do them face down, right? So that you, you do them at the same time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it could potentially be the, yep. the same clue. Yeah, it's a single word to describe a potential phrase, too. So, mm-hmm. you know. And uh. some of these phrases, I mean, this is an older game, right? So <laughs> so some of these phrases like, were like dated hard. Like, Grand okay. Cooley Dam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Howdy Doody was one of them, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Farmer's Almanac. Yeah, farmers. All right, so yeah, I was gonna give the clue for that. What was your guys' clue for farmers' almanac? Um, because I know Evan's clue was the one that we got. Yeah, mine was was prediction. Yes, Mike said predictions. Uh Useless without the word. I put down prediction. Right, what it was. That was my time to do it. All right, Ed did predictions, and but nothing came of it. And then Uh Evan did book. Mike yeah, couldn't yeah. guess it with just predictions. Then Evan did book. I was like, Farmer's Almanac, yeah, prediction book. Of book of predictions. That right. easily could have been the Nostradamus book, but you were you had the right mindset on it because the time. Because of the, yeah, yeah, because of the era exactly. that the game was yeah. made in. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Farmer's Almanac. Mm-hmm. Mid, mid-20th century yeah. <laughs> prediction <laughs> book. Yeah. Okay, and but that, then another clue was all for one, one for all. Yeah. And guess what each of the two teams wrote down as the first Yeah, as the I word. think you can Musketeer. guess. Musketeer. Right. <laughs> so, you know. So the first, right. So in that case, just the first team gets it. 
Yep, exactly. Yeah. So so that's the the advantage gets curbed a little bit like it, by the clue being good enough. So I think it balances out in the end. I okay, for our age the questions were totally fine. For, <laughs> How for do you do it? Yeah, come on. We can we can I mean, manage howdy duty. We can what, manage. What it. would your clue be? I want to know. They grew up on Looney Tunes. They came yeah. out in the 40s, even though but, we were oh. in the 70s. But if it was howdy duty, what would your clue be? I'm curious now. Puppet. Um, yeah, probably. I was gonna just say puppet. puppet. Yeah, yeah, puppet. Yeah. And then the second clue would be freckles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Puppet, yeah, that's freckles. it. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. See yeah. that? That's the thing. If you get if you make two reasonable clues for the answer, I think you can get mm. 90% of these things. Right. And mm-hmm. I absolutely, if I knew I was going second, I absolutely would have written freckles because I know mm-hmm. the first team is going to write puppet. I suppose that's, that's part of the game. Part of the yeah. strategy is yeah, to it is. anticipate what the other team's going to do. So, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. In case there. you're going second, you got to like anticipate if they don't get it, what would the clue have been? And what would the follow up? What would the follow up clue work? be? Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> hey, that, how was the playing time? Little... How was the playing time on this game, Celeste? <laughs> one to three. <laughs> yeah. One to three minutes. Minutes. Yeah. <laughs> one to three. You only scored up to three. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was perfectly paced. Oh, it's, it's a five minute game, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Short. And a clever game, I thought. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was a cleverly designed little question game. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it was fun. All right, explorers, <laughs> let's say it. Our This is it for our last game. Time to dig up or bury. Get the message. Hmm, let's start with Evan. All right, get the message. It's a throwback to that 1960s <laughs> age of board games where television shows drove a good chunk of the market, basically. Yeah. The game is kind of like Password. Maybe that's the closest description. And by that, I mean there's not... I don't know, not much skill or depth to it. I'm glad I tried it out. It was really cool to see these vintage components. But I think the game itself grows tiresome. How dare you? Quickly, I'm going to bury it. (laughs) How dare you? Oh, no. I'm glad I went first. (laughs) Mike. All right. Watch it, Mike. I know. Now I'm walking on eggshells. Thanks for biasing my... uh... You've been warned. (laughs) No, honestly, though... Greatest game since Magic, right, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, to be honest, though, like, even though the clues were, like, hilariously dated for me, uh, I thought that this kind of codename's predecessor was a lot of fun. You know, you, you... you have a limited amount of information you can give, and it's great to see the the light go on in your partner's eyes when they figure out what you meant by it. So that's rewarding enough for me, and I dig it up for that. Ah. <sighs> can I just skip Ed? I- <laughs> no, go no. after Ed. Put a punctuation on it afterward. Ed. <laughs> I mean, for the home version of a 60s game show, it's actually reasonably well produced Yay. not mm-hmm. a bad game i enjoyed uh, using these components to explore the path uh the gameplay well it's a trivia game so that doesn't bode well for me to begin with and i don't know it's just the questions themselves didn't age as well as the component did <laughs> and for that reason i'm gonna give it a light bit Boo to all of you. Boo. All of us. I wow. got, oh, got you, Mike. Got you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I knew uh, All right, Celeste, yeah. correct this us. Game, oh, my God. This game is definitely one of the better 
uh, vintage games we have played. Indeed. What a delight it was to ah. hold and use the components. <laughs> I absolutely have to share it with my children. They never get to see stuff like this. You know, all their games are high tech, you know, come with an app, even if it's a board game kind of game. Mm. So to, to see these old vintage games is always delightful for them. I loved it. <laughs> and would play it every Friday night if you guys would come over and play. Oh, snap. I want to see how they would totally guess do. Howdy Doody. Is yeah, me answer, too. Right? That would be yeah. interesting. <laughs> I don't think they'd ever get it. Right. How would yeah. they? Yeah. How, how, could, how could they know? I'm not sure if they would. It would be kind of interesting to see if it they would. It would totally be to hilarious to watch them try. <laughs> Imagine if they did get it. Oh, I would be like, yeah, mad props. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, did you dig it up or bury it? I certainly did. Dig it up. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right. Have you watched this 1960s game show or any other Goodson Todman production? <laughs> we want to know. Just get uh just reach out to us anywhere on social media. We're at which game first. And that brings us to the end of our 200th episode. Yeah. Yeah. We did it. More to go. We look forward to hearing from all our game explorers. We love you guys. Thank you so, so much for listening uh, all these years while we've been doing these podcasts and playing these games, some of them longer than others, Ed. <laughs> if you would like more perks and content from which game first just go to our website and click on become a supporter today and for just three dollars a month you will get access to our patron only podcast called bonus, bonus points, points. Bonus point. and don't forget if you get a chance leave us a like a rating or a review anywhere where you get this podcast and share it with your friends happy gaming explorers punch the card why well, didn't do it didn't do anything to me Let's get the message by using the Turing machine. This has been a Goodman Todman production. <laughs> Goodson, sorry, I said it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> <Darn> it. <laughs>